against mountaintops, and we all love mountaintops. We could spend a whole morning probably just sharing mountaintops experiences in our lives. And he also allows us to go through the valleys. And sometimes we think God is only a God of the mountains. He's there and we're feeling good and we're rejoicing and and God is really showing himself strong and good things are happening. But what about the valleys when, when you go into a valley, we sometimes question, or at least I question, is God God of the valleys? God is teaching us things. He wants us to have mountaintops experiences. He does not want us in the valley all the time, but he, he takes us through valleys and mountaintops. And, and he wants us to experience mountaintops. I love, we could, could share some mountaintop experiences and also some valleys and, and victories. Uh, many times, victories in our lives or mountaintops experiences are followed by strong temptations and difficulties where God is, in his sovereignty, is allowing you to go into a valley where you're tested and tried to see if your faith is strong and you can think about finances, you can think about health, you can think about family, you can think about your spiritual lives, and you could have many examples and testimonies of mountaintop finances. You know, we all love when our finances are, are uh, going well and, and none of us want a financial test where things go against us financially. Two weeks ago... Um, we had an experience, and I just was thinking about it. Um, so we started getting these Amazon deliveries, and Tony uh, brought a box in, and she said, "This this is not something we ordered." And what the world was ten of uh, ten items of of something we didn't recognize. Our name was on it, and so we're we're concerned about this, and and uh, in that busyness of life, we didn't have time to take care of it. One of these things you really wouldn't hear if we didn't have. But uh, the next day, another box comes. And, and so Amazon deliveries are just keep coming to us. And so we called Amazon, and they said, oh, it's a mistake. It's, you're not being billed for it. It's, uh, it's a mistake, so just uh, keep it. Don't, you don't have to return it. Keep it. I'm like, wow, this is God's really in our, on our side here. And uh, the next day, another box comes. And we keep getting Amazon boxes. And Cunny uh, and I are responding a little different. She's like, I want these boxes stopped. And I'm like, hey, let them come. I'm going to start my own little Amazon. <laughs> God is just pouring all these things on, and I'm not paying for them. Why not start another Amazon? And I, that's how I was looking at it. It's kind of like a man thing. <laughs> but there's catches to everything. And anyways... So we called and, and, and eventually changed all our passwords, and I, I still don't know what happened. But uh, So you have those mountaintop experiences where you, you, uh, you maybe do well financially and things are going good and whatever those examples, how that feels, and then you can probably relate uh, to financial tests as well and setbacks in your life where finances where you, where you need to really trust God. 
I don't know if you ever were bought, brought to a place like that. There's people that have needed to just pray for enough of money, and the money shows up, and there's testimonies like that. I, I stand back amazed at uh, testimonies. Dawson Boss, one of our teachers, his parents were there, and uh, he's, his father shared a, a sermon at Shenandoah, and he, I'm not sure of the relative, but he shared the testimony of them in the mission field and uh, in Canada, and it was very cold, and they didn't have enough of money, and, and they didn't have enough of firewood, and their family needed firewood, and, and they all they could do was pray. So this is a valley experience, and he shares his testimony of how God was there, and the next day, to prayer only, firewood was there. Now that's a testimony. That's, that's God in the valley. That's, we all would love to share a testimony like that, but we wouldn't want to really be put to the place where our house depends, up, our heat for our house depends upon prayer for the next day. And uh, I just was so amazed at some of those testimonies. Yes, health is, is another one where uh, a couple years ago I re received a friendly virus into my body and, and I was down for three weeks and, and uh, it, it was a testing time. Right now, Connie is going through Bell's palsy, and one Sunday afternoon, we came home from church, we're eating dinner, and, and she lost movement to the side of her face, and, and uh, these, are, these are health challenges, and we have them on all sides, uh, and it, it brings you to the place where you, you're really drawing God. It, it's, it's a time where it's a valley experience, and some have tests, uh, rate tests, in, in health, family life, we all love when families are doing well, and you can add your list, but, but uh, we have mountaintops, and we also have valleys, and we have experiences, and I believe God in his sovereignty allows us to, to experience both. There's some that lived most of their lives in the valley, hear of prophets and their life and, and what they were called to. Ezekiel is one that I read his story and how God prepared him for his calling. He said he's to shut himself up in his house and I'm going to glue the tongue to the roof of your mouth and I don't want you to go out and I want you to be there for a while. And then when I'm ready, I'm going to loosen your tongue, and then I'm going to have you speak. And you go through all the preparations of Ezekiel. The other one was, he said, I want you to lay on your side, your right side, for 40 days. For Judah. Because he was a prophet that was called to uh, minister to Judah. So 40 days seems like a long time. I believe it was his right side. He laid on his right side for 40 days. And whether that was completely all the time and people brought him food, I don't know all the details, but he was to lay on his side for 40 days. And I would think I'd be ready to get up and go again. And he got finished with the 40 days. And then God said, I want you to roll over on the left side and I want you to lay 365 days on your left side for Israel. 
And then it wasn't finished yet. He was preparing him for the ministry of what he was called to do. And I, I can only imagine he was, he was in a dark valley. He was just tested and, and tried on every side. So there's many uh, prophets and missionaries and those who have been called to live a lot of their lifetime in the valley and draw from God and let God show himself strong. And that's, that's really what I want uh, to emphasize this morning. And we're going to go to the text shortly, but just God is God and he calls us all to different things. One example, we can see a picture of this in Jesus' life. You see a mountaintop experience most likely, uh, and I want to look at two of the, and as I see it, possibly the greatest mountaintop experiences. One was at his baptism where uh, he was baptized of John and he went into the water and came out of the water and there was this cloud came from heaven and the beautiful voice that came from heaven this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The affirmation that came from God the Father to the Son. His ministry was, was ready to start and, and just a wonderful, wonderful affirmation. The words that came from heaven just had to be the best affirmation that Jesus experienced. And then we know what, what followed the greatest temptation. He was led into the wilderness by the spirit to be tempted of the devil and probably the, the greatest temptations that followed. So a, a mountaintop experience followed by a valley. And Jesus, of course, is a great example of how to live on both. If we accept change and difficulty into our lives, we allow growth in our lives where God can allow us to grow through change and difficulty and pain. And if we resist change and difficulty, we pain, we resist growth in our lives. So if we allow God to bring circumstances in our life and everything we know that God is sovereign and every circumstance in our life, I believe it with all my heart, First of all, goes through the screening and sovereignty of God. And God allows it to come. It's not just random circumstances that happen, but God is God. And he, he's working in our lives and he has a calling upon each one of our lives. And God is, God is a loving God. And he wants all of us to hear those words in, I'm well pleased. This is my son and my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. The affirmation of those words just come to us in every experience in our lives. God is God and he loves us. So I want to turn to uh, our text in Mark chapter 9. I want to look at a mountaintop experience and then followed by a valley in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, it says, and he said unto them, Verily I say unto you that there be some of them that shall stand here which shall not taste of death till, I, till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And after six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John and leadeth them up into a high mountain 
apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining and exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elias and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus, and Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice, and here's the voice, voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. And suddenly when they had looked round about, they saw no more, saw no man anymore, save Jesus only with them. I'm going to stop there because that's the mountaintop, and then following it says that they came down out of the mountain. And so we're going to look at the mountaintop and uh, just it, draw some points from this mountaintop experience. So the first thing I want you to think about, why did God allow this to happen and what was the setting? It, it, was, uh, it was six days, I believe it was. Uh, so they were... Jesus was close to the cross. I'm not exactly sure of the timing of that, but if you read Luke's gospel, this is a little different detail in each gospel. In Luke's gospel, it says that they were led up to the mountain to pray. And so there's a, a little different, a uh, little more detail in Luke's account. He said they went up to pray. And I think that's key. They went up to the mountain to pray, and as they prayed together, Jesus was transfigured. And then it says that Peter and James and John were sleeping. And they're kind of waking up. And so you have that, that picture of uh, Jesus intently praying. And that's what they went up to the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, this miracle happened. And, and Peter and the disciples woke up. Mark does not share those details. But I believe that uh, this was uh, God, this was a truly a mountaintop experience. How many of you would like to see Jesus in his glory? And how many of you would like to see and have a little meeting with Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, and three of the disciples? So this was a privilege, uh, this was a privilege for Jesus' disciples, the inner circle Peter, James, and John were privileged, and they had this privilege to share this mountaintop experience, and the others didn't. And I believe it was good. I believe it was awesome. You look at the details here, and uh, they were apart from the crowds. They went up to a mountain where Jesus often went up to a mountain to pray. Garden of Gethsemane was a place where Jesus often went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And the same picture that uh, was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he went to pray while his disciples fell asleep. He woke them up. He went to pray, and they started to sleep. And the third time, he, he was wrestling through all of that. Jesus was in the garden praying and wrestling through the greatest temptation that he was facing the cross. And he came back to the disciples and said, it's finished. Now I'm going to the cross, putting it in my words. So I believe there's a lesson right there in finding our mountain uh, place where we have our mountain and we can really pray. We're going to see at the end when we get into spiritual battle, it, he, he, uh, 
rebuked them because they didn't have a prayer life that was sufficient for their, for their work. So prayer, prayer, and I believe this, this experience was also, in one commentary, it said that uh, the transfiguration was a preparation for Jesus. It was God coming, and, and also for his disciples, Moses and Elijah and Luke, it says they began to talk about the cross. So Moses and Elijah, who represent the law and the prophets, Moses represents the law, and Elijah represents one of the prophets, and God sent them back, and they started talking about the cross, and they started sharing details about what was ahead. And so they had this experience, this glorious mountaintop experience that Peter, he said, hey, let's, let's build tabernacles here, let's stay here. This is good, this is awesome. Mountaintop, we all love them, we all want to live there all the time, but uh, they came back down from the mountain and so I believe it was, it was to strengthen Jesus. And also you see the cloud that overshadowed them. The presence of God was there. And again, the affirmation, the words of God the Father to the Son, this is my beloved Son. Hear, hear him is what it says. The affirmation is so important. God wants to affirm to us time and time again. And when we're called to difficult things, God's affirmation is priceless. Those words that come clear to us, you are my son, you are loved, you are in me. His raiment was shining, it says in, in uh, verse 3, his raiment became shining, exceedingly white as snow and so as no fuller or no launderer on earth can whiten them. I was trying to find a, a white shirt that's that white, and I didn't have any in my wardrobe. I have white shirts, but you know how they get, uh, the more you wear them, the more uh, they lose their pure white color, but that's the picture I like here. His face shone as the sun, so he, he was in his glorified state as he was with the Father before the world began, it tells us in John chapter 17. So here Jesus went back to uh, their relationship that uh, he had with the Father before the world began, and he was in his glory. And I just am trying to imagine what all that looks like. We have two, two descriptions of of uh, his clothes were white and his face shone as the sun so the glory of God just shone powerfully like the sun so if you had this privilege would you would you like to go up to this mountain with Jesus and experience this I think we all would like this, and I, I'd like to just say these mountaintop experiences are, are uh, just wonderful. Whatever the mountain that we are on, they're, they're wonderful. And God wants us to experience mountaintops. In Revelation 3, 5, it says, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white. So there we have a picture of white raiment. We also... We'll have white raiment, which represents purity. 
And it says that I will not uh, blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Revelation 7, 14, it says, And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So what our clothing will look like in heaven, I'm not quite sure if I understand all of that, but we have some verses that tell us we will be clothed in white, white raiment, pure, represent, representing purity, and Jesus himself was wearing white. Moses and Elijah up here, and, and this is uh, some think that uh, Moses and Elijah are the two prophets that appear in Revelation. They're standing in the streets of uh, Jerusalem prophesying. I'm not sure what I believe there or who, who they are. We're not told who that will be, but we know that Moses and Elijah or in glory and came back and they could see uh, there's life on the other side. There's proof that there's life after death. And there's proof that uh, the law and the prophets led forward and pointed forward to Jesus and his coming. So Moses and Elijah represent the law and the prophets and here they came back and uh, spoke of the event that's coming in the future at this time was the cross, the, the, the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. That's what they were talking about. Now we're going to go to the work in the valley, and I'm going to uh, follow in the text here. They go come down off the mountain, and they find a demon-possessed Child. So we're going to read this in verse 11. It says, in, I'm sorry, verse 9. It says, And they came down from the mountain. He charged them that they should not tell, they should tell no man what things they had seen till the Son of Man was risen from the dead. And they kept the sayings with themselves, questioning with one another what the rising from the dead should mean. And they asked him, saying, why say the scribes that Elias must come? And he answered and told them, Elias verily cometh first and restoreth all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be set at naught? But I say unto you that Elias indeed did, is indeed come, and they have done unto him whatsoever they listed, and it's written of him. And when he came to his disciples, he saw great multitudes about them and the scribes questioning with them and straightway all the people, all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what questions ye with them? And one of the multitudes answered, Master. And straightway, all the people, when they had beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitudes answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, 
which hath a dumb spirit, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away, and I spake to, the, to thy disciples and that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? And how long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. And they brought him unto him, and when, they, when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowing, foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And Jesus saw that the people came running together, and he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore, and came out of him, as, and he was as one dead, insomuch as many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he, he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind comes forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. This is their experience coming down off the mountain, and this is uh, a picture that... Uh, I've never been into anything quite like this, a deliverance, but you had a father coming to the disciples with a child, and he had a, a dumb and deaf spirit, I believe it was described as a dumb spirit, from childhood, he's foaming, he's gnashing with his teeth, he's pining away. And so this is a child, and Jesus asked, how long has this been with him? He said, as, as a child. So I know there's a lot of pain and suffering in the world, and I've seen a lot in my uh, times of ministry in, in Shenandoah and prison ministry, but I've never seen anything like this. And a father in desperation is coming to the disciples for help. So that's why they came down off the mountain. God does not want us to live on mountaintop experiences all of our life, but he wants us to go down into some of these valleys where you have neighbors and you have people with, with needs and, and tragic situations and just walk alongside of people and help. And so I... I read from this text that the disciples tried, and uh, Jesus uh, rebuked the disciples, and he rebuked those. He said, uh, finding the verse where he said, how long will I be with you? And I, and I read this. He's almost uh, frustrated. He said, I'm soon ready to leave. I'm not going to be with you always. Bring him to me. I'll take care of it, but the disciples were trying, and I, I, I know there's situations where we're left with 
questions whether a person ever can be delivered and situations are bad. Many people that are hurting, and, and I feel for this father who had all of his life a son that was born with this, and he was crying out for help, the desperate cry of the father in need. And, and I, I want to encourage everyone to, to be available to walk with people. If, if your neighbor is in need like this, just walk through the valley with him and walk with him and do whatever you can to help. There's a, many desperate people who are looking for help. In verse 14, he saw a, a great multitude questioning and what was going on, and so they were, they were a bit confused about how to handle this situation, how to handle this uh, child. And Jesus, he took control. The spirit, of, the spirit took control and harmed the boy and threw him into the fire. And I want to share a testimony of something that happened right across the street here. And I thought of it as I was uh, preparing this sermon. There's a Carol Meese and Dave Bender live right across the street here. And one evening we came, I came to a minister's meeting years ago. This is probably 10 years ago. And as I got out of my car, the neighbor was walking his dog and he stopped and he said, would you pray for me? And I said, sure, I stopped. I think I was a little late already. And I said, what's your prayer request? And he said, my, my wife is sick and she has cancer and she's dying of cancer. And so I said, I surely would pray. Sometimes we have schedules and, but here's a person just crying out. His need was not this great, but I'm just thankful that I, I stopped. I was rather late for a meeting than ignoring a, a neighbor's prayer request. And so I stopped in and I talked with uh, Carol Meese, his, his wife, and had prayer and, and developed a friendship there. And soon she went to the hospital and uh, we sent flowers to the hospital and came back. I think I, I stopped in two or three times and just walk with them through this experience. And in my meetings, I, I noticed that uh, he referred to her as his wife, but his name was Dave Bender and her name was Carol Meese. And I just started assuming things and I'm like, here's a woman on her deathbed, here's a great need. And I'll never forget uh, wondering and praying and, and just letting this into God's hand. At what time do you talk about marriage and, and uh, divorce and remarriage and adultery and fornication. Here's a woman on her deathbed. She's going to the hospital, and, and I took the approach that I'm going to let God bring that out. And, and when the time, wait for the right time. And just develop a friendship, send flowers to the hospital and different things we did. And I stopped back that one Sunday after church, a couple of us men were standing in the parking lot out there and Dave Bender comes running across the road and he said she's, she's calling for the pastor. 
she wants to talk. And so I dropped the conversation and I, I went. And in that conversation, she, she repented and she brought out in her own, she's living in adultery. And she, she was a, a convert of a Bible club ministry in Lebanon. And it was God's missionary church that has a Bible club ministry in Lebanon. They bust children in and she, she made a commitment to the Lord. She kind of drifted away. So they were there for her in her childhood and we were here for her during her death. And, and so we, she prayed and we prayed together. She repented and she said, what do I do now? She's not able to move out and, and uh, I just assured her that God will forgive. God will hear your prayer. God will forgive you of your sin and, and you're here now. Commit your life to the Lord again, which she did. It was just a glorious experience to bring, see her at that place. And I think it was two or three days later that she died and uh, had the privilege of attending her funeral and it was up at God's Missionary Church. And I share that testimony to just encourage all of us to be ready and be available for that person who's walking the dog, that person who wants to talk, that person who has a child that's struggling, that person who, who is in great need. I don't know that we're all called, and I was never called to an example like this in Scripture. We're not all called to that, and I'm not saying we all should be engaging in this type of uh, spiritual warfare and deliverance ministries and all kinds of uh, things like that, but coming down off the mountaintop experiences, the wonderful experiences we have in church life, the brotherhood that's, that's wonderful and awesome, but, but as we go out into our lives and our, our neighbors and, and whoever it is, just be available and be willing to, to walk with someone. I trust Carol Meese, her commitment was real and she's in heaven. And this is what is happening down in the valley sometimes. It is a greater level of intense warfare that comes along with some of this ministry. But let's be available and let's believe. Uh, the Father, we see the Father struggling through this. Jesus said all things are possible if you believe. All things are possible if you believe. And he tested their faith. And I read that and, and the Father's response was, in verse 23, Jesus said, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And the response of the Father, and straightway in verse 24, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And I, I like that. All of us can identify with, yes, sometimes we say, I believe, but help my unbelief. Seems like that doesn't really uh, go together. I believe but help my unbelief. And what I see in this situation, he lived with this all his life. And Jesus was looking at him and saying, all things are possible. This is not too big. And he's saying, yes, I believe that, but I'm still questioning that. And, and I believe we all can, can find ourselves there at times. Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Prayer and fasting is the 
the last one in, in verse 28. Our Sunday school lesson, what did Jesus say? His cry and his burden was, my house is to be a house of prayer. And I, I believe that uh, all of us can be challenged by that being people of prayer and, and recognizing what he said here in verse 28. When he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? And he said unto him, this kind comes forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. So we look at this account and saying, wow, this I'd never want to get close to something this huge. I would never want to engage in spiritual battles like this. I would never have the right words. I would never know what to do. But could you really pray and fast? That's a challenge to, to my life, to, uh, to recognize that some of these spiritual battles are only possible by prayer. And I don't know if it was this type of demon that this boy had, or I don't have all the answers to that, but Jesus, from our Sunday school lesson, he said, my house should be a house of prayer. And you're in here making money. You're all about merchandise, making money in your bank account. This is happening in the house of the Lord. You're about making money and you're not winning spiritual battles. You're not praying and fasting. You're not about really what God says is important. And that was the takeaway for me in, in our Sunday school lesson. And I appreciated all the discussion. That was very good. And here it's, it's another a call to prayer, being men and women who pray. And I'm going to just ask you to consider your prayer life, and when's the last time that you fasted? I don't know. We don't preach a lot about fasting, and, and it's something that I feel I'm weak in as well. Regular fasts and just regular prayers and having time for prayers is, uh, is so important. Even for our own lives, Think of the song that says, uh, oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So we're going through uh, pain because we're not praying. In that song, it brings that out. In Philippians 4, it says that we're to be anxious for nothing, but by prayer, uh, everything, making our prayers and requests known unto God, so everything we pray about rather than becoming anxious about. So prayer, let's have a revival in our prayer life and let's continue to pray and let's continue to uh, enjoy the mountaintop experiences. You might be here this morning and you're on a mountain. Praise God. I'm rejoicing with you and I, I'm glad that you're experiencing mountaintops. You might be here in a valley. And I want to encourage everyone together that we are serving a God who takes us on mountains and he takes us into the valleys. He's working on the mountaintops in our lives. He's God there and he's working in the valleys. He's God in the valley as well and things are happening in our hearts when we're in valleys. The song that we sing sometimes or we hear about the song or the, the palm, it's a palm that uh, the footprints in the sand 
There was a time where the two sets of footprints, and then there was a time where there were no footprints, and I just love that picture. And that's when Jesus was carrying you. His arms were there, and, and he had you, and, and maybe you're there, and the Lord is just carrying you. He's, he loves you. If you're in a valley, trust the Lord. Draw from his strength. Let him do the supernatural. Let him do the impossible, and let him work, and let him... Let him be God. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the Bible, the word of God, and thank you for the way that you speak to us through the word and the way that you speak through people and the way that you speak to us in our lives and circumstances in our lives. I pray and I ask that you would speak to each one of us, those wonderful words, this is my son in whom I well please. Bring affirmation to our hearts and lives. And I pray that you would help us to understand that it's not only the mountaintops, that you're there and the, the experiences that we, we love, but it's also the valleys that you, you're there and you're right there for us. Just bless us all together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.